he is risen. He lives. And because Jesus lives, everything has changed. Um, and everything will change in the future too. This really is the nuclear core of Christianity. R right here, this weekend, what we're remembering, what we're celebrating together, it's who Jesus is and what Jesus did, what Jesus accomplished. See, a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people watching online, um, I'm sure a lot of us, we think, when we think about Christianity, we think primarily about something else. Um, we probably think uh, that Christianity is first and foremost about the teachings of the Bible. And so I, I hope if you think that, I hope you're going to be surprised by what I'm about to say. Christianity is not first and foremost or primarily or even front-loaded to be about the teachings of the Bible, um, the moral commands, the, the do's and don'ts of the Bible. They're important. They're, they're, they cannot be ignored, but that is not where Christianity starts and really what, what Christianity is first and foremost about. So what is the energizing core of the Christian faith? It's this, what we're remembering today, Easter, that Jesus, who, who is Israel's promised king, their Messiah, the son of God, that he really did become a man and that he really was born in Bethlehem. All of those wonderful Christmas truths that we hear and that we sing about every single year. And that he really was nailed to a Roman cross um, to get our sins off of our account and on to him where, where he would die for them. But then on this morning, on Easter morning, this glorious morning, we teach and we believe that Jesus really did rise from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death, and he offers new life and forgiveness to any and every sinner that will come to him. And you can follow him forever now. That's the blazing core of Christianity. And then come all the teachings. Then come all the do's and, and all the don'ts and, and all the instructions for how to follow Jesus after you've trusted in him, after you've received his death and resurrection. But we must, before we can even talk about how to follow Jesus, before we can even talk about what it means to be a Christian or how a Christian should live and think and feel and respond, we have to begin with that nuclear core, that radiating truth, who Jesus is, and what Jesus has done. And that's what we're gonna look at this morning. And if you have a Bible, I invite you to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter six. We're gonna read eight to 14. So let's listen to the Holy Spirit's words through the Apostle Paul this morning. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. 
And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. This is God's word. Last year, our family went to Disney World and we had such a great time um, going to that new immersive world that they have, the new Star Warsian world, this Galaxy's Edge. And it's very cool as soon as you walk in. Um, it does feel like you are in a different place that you're in Star Wars and there's droids everywhere and there's sounds and the sights and stormtroopers and the rides and all that stuff. It's very immersive. And that's the new thing in theme parks, the similar concept at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And it feels like you're in Harry Potter and you're in that world. They make you feel like you're a part of it while you're there. But then what happens? You leave, you go to a different part of the park, you get a churro and everything goes back to normal. I think for a lot of us, Easter is typically like this too. We get dropped into this weekend and we celebrate it and then we go on about our lives. In years past, you've done egg hunts. You've taken some nice family photos. You, you got your new Easter outfit. Um, you showed up at church. You got to go eat with friends and family and, you, and then you went back to your life on Monday. None of that is happening this year. And I think it's a monumental blessing for all of us listening. With no egg hunts and with no Easter outfits, with no drive-by pop-in church attendance, with no large meal with your extended family and your uncle snoring on the couch, this Easter, all of those things have been stripped away with us and what are we left with? Jesus, just Jesus just the risen Jesus and hallelujah, praise the Lord. I think this might be the clearest Easter all of us will ever have. That it actually is all about him. And God doesn't want any of us to drop into Easter today and then go on about our lives once you leave the stream or, or, or once Monday hits. When it comes to Easter, hear me. When it comes to Easter, we either experience it now and forever, or we have not yet experienced Easter truly at all. Look with me at Romans 8, chapter 6, verse 8. Look what the Apostle Paul says. Now, if we died with Christ, do you see that? If we died with Christ, we, immersive, including you. So, so Paul, who's the writer of the book of Romans, he's pointing out to us that when Jesus was nailed to that cross, something was happening there that the mere eye cannot see, that you must see it by faith. You must see it with your heart. You must see it with your soul. That when those iron spikes were hammered through Jesus' hands and feet, 
And when he was hoisted up on that cross and the blood began to flow down and after six hours of struggling to breathe and he finally died, he was doing all of that not to be some well-meaning example to the world, but to save sinners like you and like me, that you could die with him, that there on that cross, in Jesus, in his body, at the crucifixion, if you died with him, if you were immersed, if you were united with him, this means your sins against God died. You're falling short of obeying God. You're dishonoring of God, crucified also. This means your slavery to sin died. This means your guilt died. This means your shame died. This means your entire record of sin was shredded at Jesus' crucifixion. If you've died with Christ, is that what you believe this Easter? If so, then you've died with Christ. And hear me, either we believe this, we experience this, we trust this or not. You have either, for everyone watching, you have either died with Christ or you haven't. Either Jesus has paid for all of your sins there on the cross outside of Jerusalem under the hands of Roman soldiers, or your sins are still not paid for and you will have to pay for them unless you've trust that Christ paid for them. See, this is Christianity. This is what it means to be a Christian, that I died with Christ and look at what Paul says, continuing in verse eight. We believe that we will also live with him. So not only have I died with Christ and my guilt's been taken away, my shame's been taken away, my, my sins have been taken away, but now what? I'm alive. I have new life. I have a new heart. I have a new king. I have a new posture. I have a new place in this world with God. All of these things, this is what Christianity brings. This is what Jesus offers. So why do Christians believe this? Why do we rejoice in this? Because of verse nine. Verse nine says, here's why we believe this and think this. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. I love the way Paul starts. Because we know I love that word. We know. It's not because uh, Christians think this. It's not because we, uh, we, we think it's inspirational. It's not because we think it's a good story. It's not because we speculate or it makes us feel good or, or we do this because, you know, it's just one way to live. No, it's because we know that Jesus rose from the dead and he will never die again. Double miracle. One, he rose, and two, for 2,000-ish years now, he's still alive. Double miracle, the living Christ. It's because, see, Christians believe that we died, our sins have been paid for, we have new life with Christ, because we believe that there is a man from Nazareth who walked out of the grave and has been alive and remains alive and will never die again for, 
forever. Is that what you believe? Is that why you want to celebrate Easter? There truly is no other reason to celebrate Easter than this one. Is that what you know? That Christ has been raised. Listen, if you're, if you're a Christian, I, I hope more than ever, I hope more than ever before that you will see that this is why you're a Christian. Because you know Jesus is alive that you know that your Lord died for your sins and that he rose again on Easter Sunday to give all of us new life. And that this resurrection isn't, Jesus' resurrection isn't just some mythical moment. It's not a fable. It's not a kid story. But that we actually need to de-hallmark Easter. It is, it is obvious in our country, at least, that the holiday has crowded this actual holy day that the warm fuzzies of American Easter, they need to be lost and the clomp of a cross being dragged to that death zone. We need to hear the crack of nails going through bone and the sound of a tombstone being rolled back. What we're talking about is the actual body, physical resurrection of Jesus this, this is not just some spiritual kind of uh, make us feel good kind of story. No, this is Jesus being a corpse no more. That the same Jesus that was taken down from that cross on Friday as a lifeless corpse and was buried by his friends in that tomb cave is the same Jesus that came back to life that we remember today. That his actual heart began to beat again that blood began to flow through those veins, that his cerebral cortex booted back up, that his, his core temperature got back up to 98.6 degrees and oxygen filled those lungs and that he defeated death and he lives forever. That is Christianity. Listen, if he didn't do this, if Jesus didn't come back to life after being crucified, then Christianity is a ridiculous waste of time. We should cut the camera, cut it all, burn our Bibles, because if Jesus didn't come back to life, then this is really all monumentally lame. We are wasting our lives in devotion to him. We should be pitied. Christians would be the biggest losers falling for the biggest con on the planet. And we should not be respected by anyone. But since Jesus isn't a pile of bone fragments and bandages, we aren't wasting our lives. We're maximizing them. And friend, if you aren't following the risen Christ, you are wasting your life like sand slipping through your hands. I, I'm, I know that everyone watching is, isn't a Christian and that you have real objections to Christianity. You don't like what we teach about this thing or, or that thing. And I, I, I understand. But listen, I mean, of course you wouldn't like some of the things we teach. Why, why would you? You're, you're, not a, you're, you're not a Christian. So of, of course you wouldn't like that. But hear me out. What about Jesus? Is he alive? That, that's what's most important right now. The man, this man has two global holidays. 
Let's, let's start there. That's significant. Are you willing to ignore a man who has two global holidays, not just in the United States, but around the world? Nigerians and Iraqis, they don't care about Columbus Day. They don't care about President's Day. But there are Nigerians and Chileans and Iraqis. They are celebrating today. They're worshiping and singing and opening up this ancient book to talk about the exact same man that you're hearing about today. Because Jesus really did rise from the dead. And since he did, now everything he said matters. Everything. And everything he teaches is now non-ignorable. Since Jesus is alive, now the cost, the cost is too high to dismiss all of Christianity. Because all of the teachings, everything we believe, it comes from the one that the Bible says on your screen that death no longer rules over him. Man, what a statement that is. Death no longer rules over him, meaning death doesn't stop Jesus. He overcame death. For those days, he was in the tomb, Friday night, all day Saturday, part of Sunday. Those days he was in the tomb, death did rule over him. He was in the clutches of death, but he shattered through death's grip and he reigns. Death rules over the earth right now, doesn't it? That's why we're having to even do church like this. That's why we're in our homes. We are all trying to avoid death. I mean, if we get down to what are we doing with all the social distancing and everything going on with the pandemic, we are trying to avoid death. Death rules over us in a sense. We're in our homes staying away from each other because we know the potential of the coronavirus. Everyone is having the proper fear of death. And, and we can't wait, we can't wait to erupt back to life again. And I think in this, well, we're just isolated in our homes and we, we want to go back to the way things were. This is why the living Jesus is so relevant here. And Tish Harrison Warren wrote on Christianity Today last week that as a deadly virus speeds its way around the world, bringing chaos, destruction, and death, it's painfully clear that the resurrection is either the whole hope of the world, the very center of reality, or Christianity is not worth our time. The resurrection is the only evidence, the only evidence that love triumphs over death that weakness prevails over strength and beauty outlives ashes. If Jesus is risen in actual history with all the palpability of flesh and fingers and bone and blood, there is hope that our mourning will be comforted and that death will not have the final word. Jesus, the living Jesus is relevant to us right now. We have a Lord who gives life after death who gives hope in the darkness, who reigns over all, who is victorious, who, who is like our God? And who is, who is the one who is able to forgive our sins? Who is the one who can give us new life? Who is the one that death no longer rules over him and he'll never die again? 
I know that a lot of you know Jesus as a teacher, but I want to invite you to know Jesus as your Lord, as a Savior, not just a teacher. All you got to do is ask him to save you. Believe that he'll save you from your sins, that he died for you, that he lives for you, and he will forgive you and welcome you into his kingdom. You can do that now. And if you are a Christian... This is what the resurrection of Christ means for us today, right now. Verse 11, Romans 6, verse 11, Paul says, so since all that's true, since you've died with Christ, since you've been raised with Christ, since Christ will never die again, so you too. Easter's immersive. We're not just bystanders. We participate in the life of Christ now. So you too consider yourselves, what? Dead to sin and what? Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul's saying. Today, Easter, since the living Jesus is a reality, we need to rethink our lives. We need to rethink our impulses. We need to rethink our choices. We need to consider the point of our lives. We are now dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Sin's command over us is gone. We have new identities. We're in Christ. We're alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's like our citizenship has been revoked in the kingdom of sin. That Jesus took our documents of citizenship, said, Your existence in that kingdom is done. You're dead to that kingdom. And now you're alive in me. You're alive in my kingdom. So we must must consider ourselves. This is now a mental exercise, one of faith that I have to see my instincts are now rewired by Christ. Christian, we we are now kind of like inmates who were serving life, but we've been freed genuinely freed. And now we live in the king's castle. So we, we got to think of ourselves as inmates no more. We don't have to act like an inmate. We don't have to talk like one. We don't have to fight like one. We don't have to treat each other like inmates. We don't have to sin like that way anymore. Because now we can enjoy the freedom of grace in Christ. This is what the living Jesus gives us, this new life. We see it in verse 12. Paul explains it more in verses 12 and 13. He says, so what does it mean to consider yourself dead to sin? Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. It's like King of the Hill. Do you ever play King of the Hill as a kid? We used to always play that find a yard that had the manhole cover and that was the hill. And you just pushed each other off until you were king of the hill. I'm there. Here's what Paul's saying. You got to play king of the hill with your heart, with your soul, with your mind. Sin wants to reign, but we got to tell it you're out. Christ is in. You will not be the king of this hill. You are out sin. So do not, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. 13, And do not offer any parts of it, of your body, of your life, your soul, to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. He uses weapons as 
kind of a military language. We are in spiritual warfare. And sin wants you to use your heart, use your body, use your time, everything your body can do, everything your body can accomplish. Sin wants you to use it for sinful things. But here, Paul says, no, if Jesus wants you to use it for righteousness, but live, how's what? But as those who are alive from the dead, we're alive, so offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness, all of us, the whole you. Jesus is a complete Lord and Savior. We can't just say, well, I want Jesus to be in charge of my, uh, my eternity, but I don't want him to speak into my uh, romance. I, I, don't, I don't want Jesus to speak into how I spend my money. No, no, the, the, the God is clear. All of us to Christ. Since Jesus is alive, we live differently now. This is a living attribute and mark of a Christian. We aren't dead in our sins anymore. So is that clear in your life? That there, there's a trail of dead bodies of sin behind you. I'm leaving that behind. I'm dead to that sin. We all know the phrase, ah, that's dead to me. That team's dead to me. You're dead to me. We've heard that phrase. The same, the scriptures say, look at your sins and say, you're dead to me. Temptation and sin won't stop coming at us. But now we have power to withstand it. Now we have the risen Christ, the he alone, the one who conquered sin in the grave. And now he alone empowers us today and tomorrow and the next. That because he lives, you can face today. That because he lives, you can face tomorrow and the next. Because he lives, you can turn from sin. Because he lives, you can turn from lust. That because he lives, you can turn from envy. And because he lives, I promise you, you can turn from drunkenness. And that because he lives, you can turn from being that unloving spouse. And because he lives, you can turn from your addictions. You can turn for help. Because he lives, you can, you can turn toward counseling. Because he lives, you can confess, you can come clean. Because he lives, you can surrender. Because he lives, you can find out what it means to know him and the power of his resurrection. What the Apostle Paul is telling us, tell your temptations when they come around, you tell them, I'm unavailable. I'm unavailable. Your temptation rears, Put do not disturb on your heart. Turn from them. You belong to God now. There's an amazing, an amazing story about St. Augustine, a early church. He died in 430. And he, as the stories go, before he became a Christian, he lived a very wild life. And of course, he became a Christian one day. And as he's walking down the street, he saw one of the women that he used to have a long-standing fling with. And before Christ saved him, he was with her very often. But now as he walked down the street as a Christian, this woman saw him and wanted to be with him and called out, Augustine, Augustine, come over here. And he ignored her. I just said, 
sorry, I'm not interested. And she thought, oh, maybe he didn't recognize me. So she runs over to him again, Augustine, it's me. And Augustine looked at her, looked at her and said, I know, but it's not me. He knew he had been made new. He knew he was dead to his sins and now alive to God in Christ. And Christian, so are you. Because he lives, you can live like you're alive too. Become what you're becoming. Live your aliveness. That's now the message of Christ's resurrection. Because he lives, we can now live. Verse 14, look at what Paul says. Since Christ has been raised, now how do we live? Sin, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin doesn't rule over us. It doesn't say we won't sin. It says it won't rule over us. Of course, we will struggle. Of course, we will stumble. But we will not be ruled because we have one ruler. We have one Lord. We have one God and Savior, the risen Christ. And because he lives, we're now under his grace. Paul says at the end, you're not under the law, but under grace. And this is really the way every religion in the world operates. It falls in one camp or, uh, or another. It doesn't matter if we're talking about Buddhism or Islam or Scientology. They, they all are this way, either law or grace. Law meaning earn it. Earn your eternity. Earn your salvation. Or grace, freely given. Not deserved, but freely given to you by the complete love of God. Which do you want? Law or grace? Christianity is the only one that offers grace. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Why would, it, why would Jesus the son of God, why would he come and do all of this? Because he's rich in love and mercy. Because it's grace. That's the explanation why. And so Christian, live out that grace today, now. Turn from sin since the stone really has been turned back. And if you're not a Christian, come to him today. Don't just celebrate Easter in the empty ways you have all of your wife before and all of the ways of just the egg hunts and the pictures and all those things, things that will all fade and that will not go with you into eternity, but find eternity today and the one who will, the one who's been alive for 2,000 years and the one who will live forever and the one who will invite you to live forever if you come to him. Trust him. Follow him. He, he is alive. This Easter is so unusual. This is unusual Easter Sunday. I, I wish we could see each other face to face. But it's so unusual, I kind of love it. I kind of love how weird this is. Because it reminds me of the end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What happened when Jesus died? All the disciples went into a house. And on that Sunday morning, they were huddled together, not knowing what to do. And then what happened? A woman burst in and she said, 
he's risen. And here we are huddled in our homes. No clue how all of this is going to play out. I hope you'll hear by the spirit of the risen Christ today, the same things they heard at the end of the gospels as they were huddled in a house. Here today, he is risen. He is risen and he is enough. Come to him, worship him. Let's make much of him. Happy Easter church. Let's worship King Jesus together. King Jesus, you are our great God and savior. And we worship you and we praise you knowing that death no longer has dominion over you, that you are the one who reigns and rules over all things. And so help us now, Lord. Help us to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive, alive in you. That because you live, the things that we think that we, we have to do and the, the, the sins that we're tempted with and the, the hurts that we carry and the things we're scared to confess and, and scared to come to you, Lord. May we hear from you today, he's risen. And may we run in faith towards the empty tomb like those early disciples did and peer in and see for ourselves by faith, it's true. And may our hearts burn within us as you speak to us by your spirit and through your word. Take these words, take Romans 6 and make it alive in our hearts, Lord. Take this song we're about to sing and, and may, it, uh, may it arrest us and, and show us what it would mean to follow the risen Christ. May we hear he is risen and may we rejoice and may we feel that victory that we have with you, our Christus Victor, our Lord, our King. We worship you and we praise you, King Jesus, on this holy day. And it's in your name that we pray, Lord. Amen.